welcome to Poke the Bear, episode 13, presented by BetUS. I'm Evan Marinovsky alongside Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Journal. Connor, how we doing? Uh, Evan, I think, like most Bruins fans, I've mostly just been sitting on the couch the last four or five days waiting for uh, any moves. So I think I resonate with I think how most Bruins fans are feeling over the last past weekend at least. Not much to get excited about. Uh, it's funny. I mean, Saturday morning, Craig Smith signs. You know, Friday night, the Don Sweeney press are being pushed back. Everyone's kind of like, Ooh, they might do something here. And they didn't. Or they haven't at least. I mean, I don't know when it's coming. And it's it's starting to feel like another Don Sweeney offseason of just kind of minor moves, minor tweaks. You know, we like our roster. We like our internal competition. Oh, yeah. And that's sort of how it's been. I mean, that's what it's, you know, Craig Smith – is a great addition, but doesn't that doesn't put you past Tampa? I don't know if that puts you past you know any teams you weren't getting past before. I mean, look how stacked the West is getting. Uh, so last night, late last night, one of the defensemen the Bruins we all thought the Bruins might be in on would be Nate Schmidt of Vegas mm-hmm. because Alex Petrangelo went there. Uh, somehow Vegas is just printing its own money. It must be getting some extra cap it, from the casinos. Ace Rothstein is the co- like cap compliance officer and is just like fronting this cash or something. But yes, there's got to be some sort of you know uh, wink, thing wink. going on in Vegas. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, it's a, it's it's just a laundromat. Yeah. Uh, exactly. But so they, they needed to free up some space as Vegas does, and Nate Schmidt, uh, one of their defensemen, was thought to be on the move. Somewhere, and us Bruins people said, oh, that'd be solid for the Bruins. You know, you need a top four left shot defenseman. That's him. He does cost a little bit. You know, 5.8 a year until 2025 isn't the most palatable deal, but there's always the room for improvement with him. You know, he's solid. You know what you're going to get. You know, consistency is key, especially with these Bruins. And he goes to Vancouver for a third-round pick. For a third-round pick. In 2022. Yes. And we sit here going, wait a second. That is so much better than the OEL trade or, yes. or the, the talks for it. Like, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you'd save money through about $3 million if you're, if you're, if you're going to take Ekman Larson's whole you know, cap hit. And you're also giving up way less. And it's a third-round pick for a position you are in desperate, I'll repeat that, desperate need of. Yeah, I, I mean <laughs> – you look at what the Bruins are doing right now, and I think as as we both said, you know, we love the Craig Smith signing, but I think we also said at the time that signing Craig Smith and losing Corey Krug doesn't really push move the needle forward for for this Bruins team, and especially with listen, you're not getting past Tampa the way it is right now, especially with the way I mean, we've talked about this multiple times, but the the biggest strategy or the biggest kind of thing you notice in a lot of these teams that have gone to the cup final or have been contenders the last couple of years is a lot of their success is built off of having a strong set defense kind of supporting and being kind of the framework of your whole roster. I mean, Tampa, as talented as they are, we know, you know, how, how deep and strong the decor is and how tough it is to get inside against a team like that. The Bruins knew that, know that firsthand. Um, Dallas is built the same way. Right, they've got a lot of like you know talent. They got a lot of puck movers, but they also have a lot of big guys. I mean, Alexiak, Lindell, all those guys. Um, St. Louis Blues last year uh, or in 2019, rather. I mean, huge like Petrangelo, Pareko, Jay Bomeister, all those guys. And you know, 
it's, it's one thing if you like go with like the copycat league, you know, format. And I, I think that applies if you look at like, you know, teams that are trying to like beef up their lineup, like trying to get another Patrick Maroon. Like I think that's like how oh, the league the does copy. should get Patrick Maroon. <laughs> right. Like it, it, that's like a copycat kind of mentality, but having like a strong set decor is like a copycat thing. That's like an essential part of being a good, like, <laughs> it's I, been I hockey know, forever. <laughs> yeah. I don't know who's, you know, coming up with the idea of like, we need all of our defense to be like five eleven. you know, it's listen, like the, the league is more, you know, welcoming and, and, you know, more fits in with having smaller guys, more skilled guys on the blue line, but you still need, you know, guys back there that you can log heavy minutes that can shut down scoring chances. And you look at the state of the Bruins decor now, it's like, you've got that, you've got that vacancy where Krug is. And it's not like you have to get someone who, you know, plays like Tory Krug. It's, you need at least someone who's dependable, who can play. I'd say you need someone who's completely different than Tory Krug. Yeah, exactly. Just gave you the opportunity to do it. Right. Like, I mean, we saw Chicago traded way too much, but they traded for like a Zadorov or a guy like that. If you leave, if you lose Krug, maybe you switch things around and add a guy like him to the mix or something like that. And I mean, screw it. Like, uh, we would say you don't need someone to be just like Tory Krug, but if they signed Eric Gustafson to a one year, $3 million contract, which he did with Philly, I mean, he's kind of, he's probably even an extreme version of Krug, right? I think he's all offense and no defense at all. Um, but if you sign him for one year and three million bucks, I think you can make the argument like, all right, well, it's kind of more of the same what we got, but you know, we put him with a defensive guy like Kahlo and it kind of balances. It's like the yin and yang kind of balancing out, you know, in terms of that being a, de- a deep pairing, but the Bruins let him, you know, go by, uh, TJ Brody goes to Toronto after that. There's really not a lot of intriguing left shot D that are, um, at least you can pencil in comfortably as being, you know, like a top four kind of player. Um, and so now you're kind of stuck in a situation where it's like, all right, do we have to, you know, trade for a top four kind of guy, which, I mean, you had that Nate Schmidt was right there. I mean, you'd have to, you know, settle up the cap, but um, you know, it, it's, it's tough now because all right, you have to trade for another guy and maybe you get another team that's in a cap crunch and only will take like a pick back, but, most likely if you're trying to get an impact top four D you have to trade away assets and most likely it's going to be someone up front. So are you getting, giving up the breast for a top four guy, which you've also let, you know, other forwards like to fully go or, or any of these other guys through that would have helped out your five on five play. So now you have to get rid of the who as inconsistent as he is, you still would rather have him on the on your team, right? He's still a guy who, could hit 30 goals next year. Even if he's up and down, he'll probably give you at least 20. So now you have to trade a guy like him just to fill that vacancy left by Krug. So you, you kind of just go down the list and you see all these kind of moves going by the Bruins. And it's tough because, I mean, we've talked about – how many times have we talked about this, that the Bruins have to go all in this year? And honestly, the the way the market is kind of set, it would, seems like it would fall in their favor where a lot of these players are signing average annual value deals that are way below, I think, what people projected. I mean, Tyler Toffoli's, what, $4.25 million? I think probably if this was a normal year, he'd probably be looking at, what, six, six and six. a half probably? You were saying yeah. with Krug. I mean, we thought Krug could make upwards of eight. He made 6.5. Yeah. And so the Bruins are in this spot now where it's like, all right, well, you, you let Krug walk. Um you have money, you have extra money. And again, you have to allocate some of that to Grizzlick and DeBrusque and stuff like that. But it's not like they're like in this cap crunch where 
you can't then trade John Moore for a, like a seventh, a seventh round pick, just like trade him for something for a team that like Winnipeg that just needs a body back there. Or, there's ways you can like get beyond it. You're not stuck John with Moore these... becomes a 40 point a year, a of power course. play guru uh, which, defenseman, which, which, which would probably be what the case was, but like there's ways you can do it. And again, people also talked about how Vancouver um, was in such cap hell because they've got all these horrible contracts, which they do. Well, they just went out and got uh, Nate Schmidt for nothing. Like there's one thing where it's, you know, you're stuck in a situation, but if you've got talent available, a talent you can grab for a great deal, you go out and get it. And so far, whether it's they're worried about how much it's going to cost to retain guys like Grizzly or DeBrusque, or they've got like an internal cap or something, which could play into this. Like I, I, it's, you're seeing all these guys sign for good deals and the Bruins aren't really doing anything. And, you know, it's, it's, I don't know how you're going to have kind of this, you know, uh, I don't know how you're going to be shocked if they go into next year with a, a team that's not as good and expect them to still contend with Tampa when you let all these guys go off the board now and you really haven't done anything. It's funny. You mentioned a few things in there. and I'll kind of unpack a few of them. Number one, uh, going all in this upcoming season, you're starting to see right now the way this offseason is playing out. With Krug leaving, how bad it is that you lost that 2019 Cup Final, which we all know, Yep, and how how annoying and stupid it was that you didn't go harder at the trade deadline this past year. Because I do believe this past year was probably your last great shot at the cup. Like, really good chance Stanley Cup. Now, obviously, COVID happened. They were still the best team in hockey during the, the regular season. Yes, it, it came to an end. But you were still playing Tampa in the second round. And I don't know if you were beating them. So, now you're seeing... And they're not even going, they don't seem to be going all in right now. I mean, I think if, if they got to Foley, we could safely say, yes, they're going all in. Or, or if they got Oliver and Larson, which we didn't want them to do, but if they did, mm-hmm. we could safely say they're going all in. Mm-hmm. And we, they're not doing these moves. Um, the other thing is you mentioned why they have a bunch of 5'11 guys on the back end. And it feels like ever since, um, Sweeney and Cassidy have taken over, the Sweeney Cassidy administration, I guess we can say it's, it's election season, so I guess that's what we'll go with. Yeah. It's kind of in a repudiation of, they still have the same defensive structure, um, where they play a little bit of a zone, but you look at it and they used to be big and tough on the back end and, and, and brute strength and they were a tough team to get inside on. And to get more skilled at offensive, I, I feel like they felt like they needed smaller, shiftier, demon and that's when you started to see the Grizzlicks. that's when you started to see Krug really hit his stride you know Jacob's a Borel um so to me I mean it's sort, it's sort of been like a repudiation in some ways of how they were for so long and they're still mm-hmm. you know um good defensively but they're not they're not gonna they're not bruising like they used to be you know I mean when you play you think of Boston's decor you now think of you know if we look back to last year a little bit of everything but a good amount of skill Mm-hmm. Whereas in the past, you had Char in his prime, Boychuk, Seidenberg, McQuaid. Like, you weren't getting inside on those guys. Yeah. Um, so that feels like it's been that. Back to the all-in thing real quick. What's their direction? Like, when you think of where the Bruins are going, you know, like past four years, we could say, safely say they're going for a Stanley Cup. And I still think they are. And they would say they're going for a Stanley Cup because they'd be stupid not to say it. But it's not clear what their direction is. Because we said before the offseason started, you know, they're not going to, you know, break the legs of this thing and restart from the ground up. It'll either be they go all in or they retool. Mm-hmm. 
But it doesn't feel like they're doing either of those things. It feels like they're kind of just standing pat and adding minor pieces. I don't know. And I don't know, like you said this, the, 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 the crew as is, the top nine as is, the, you know, the, the, the top four on defense as is. I don't know what that's doing. I mean, like, it feels like they're doing the same thing all over again. Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's tough to kind of just see what the, the end game is for this offseason. And again, there's a whole bunch of moves they can still make, whether it's especially on like the trade market in terms of getting a, a top four D. But, you know, it's not like that. I don't think they're rebuilding because if they were rebuilding, they wouldn't be holding on to RAS. They wouldn't be holding on to Chris. Yeah, they're not rebuilding. Guys, I think right? they're still going for it. Yeah. But it's just not like but it's direct. You you look at just what the, the factors that lead into this, right? And what you're expecting from this team where, I mean, I think especially after they lose in the playoffs and you see them in like kind of that post game, uh, their comments where it's like, I think it was the first time I think they were very cognizant that, you know, this could be one of their last good chances at it. Right. I mean, you have that kind of, um, you know, uh, need to go in all in this year and, you know, you let a guy like Taylor Hall kind of slip through your fingers and he goes to Buffalo and who knows if they, what they offered him to, you know, let that fall through. But if you were going all in, you know, it's, you would go after a guy like that. Or if you get a guy like Hall, then you can trade a forward to get a top, you know, a, a left. This you know, is top why the team. Bruins should have given up to Brosk and Tuka for, <laughs> like, for, for Jack Eichel. It, it's like, you know, it, it's, <laughs> I don't know how you look at the, the way the moves have gone right now and think that, it's moving the needle forward because it feels like you took one step forward with Smith and a couple of steps back because I don't know how this decor as it is, it's going to get you through a, a full season, a, a full playoff slate. I mean, Oh, they have we, Kevin Miller now. We know that. Well, it's like, and even if you bring him back and he's somewhat healthy, which like is a lot hanging on that, right. In terms of how you can get, you know, that knee holds up is, are those guys are going to be ones that, you know, you're still, you don't have a left, you don't have a top four D. You don't have anyone who can slot in there unless you want to roll out Jacob Zaborl and Erhovac and Einan. So. Oh, that, and, and you think, like, think forward to that. That's a huge storyline. If the Bruins come out with Jacob Zaborl or Erhovac and Einan on that left side with Brandon Carlo, that's a huge storyline. That is massive. That is the first time in years they've made a legit change to their top four. And you also have Grizzik up with McAvoy, probably. Yes. If, if things go as, as we think they will, which not, that hasn't happened yet, but, but that is monumental. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how that puts you near a Stanley Cup. I don't. Like, you know, Jacob Zaboro was like a, uh, he was a second pairing D in Providence, correct? And he started to show real signs of growth yeah. in the, in the second half of this passage. That's what Jay Leach told us back in like April or May, but I just, you need a legitimate top four left shot defenseman. Now, granted, Sweeney's shown in the past, he can get creative with trades. You know, I mean, a lot of these trades will come randomly. You're not going to see them coming. It's going to be guys like, oh, I didn't know that guy was available in the trade market. Mm-hmm. But the the obvious ones that we see that you can tell and go, oh, Alec Martinez would make sense here. Or, oh, Nate Schmidt for a third-round pick? Hell yeah. Or Erica Branson or or Brennan Dillon early on. I mean, I know he resigned in Washington, but that was someone I think who would have been a solid enough, you know, placeholder. 
But there's none of that. There's none of that. And you just wonder, you know, I get it is fair to question their judgment. I mean, Sweeney's getting killed uh, by Bruins fans. Uh, people, I mean, people are pissed, you know, and that's why Bruins fans are the best is they, they demand excellence. You know, Celtics fans have always been kind of uh, criticized for, you know, being complacent with, you know, a second place team in the East, going to the second round, doing some flashy slam dunks, but not winning anything. Bruins fans are like, no, fuck you, win. <laughs> and yeah. so, and Sweeney's even said that, you know, that's why you know, they'll buy you a beer if, if, if uh, they, if you win and they'll kill you if you lose. So, um, but it feels like right now they are kind of losing in this offseason. And unless they make some big move, I mean, you just – you get the feeling that we're going to show up for training camp and God knows on Christmas Day. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to show up for training camp on Christmas Day and there's going to be the same lineup rolled out. Same crew. And we're going to be asking the same questions. And they're going to be given the same answers. Internal competition. Uh, this, You know, this is – we believe in this group. And we're going to be like – Oh my God. It's the same thing. It's so, it's mind numbing, but, um, that is something you can bet on. Something you also can bet on are some more legitimate bets over bet us. Connor, why don't you tell listeners about bet us? Listen up sports bettors. This is Connor Ryan here to tell you about my favorite sports book and that's bet us football, basketball, and baseball are all back. That means it's time to get down your bets. I only do us one sports book and that's betus.com. Why do you ask? It's because BetUS is the pioneer in online betting with more than 25 years in the business. You need a sportsbook with integrity and longevity. You need to know that you're going to get paid. You need a sportsbook that offers everything, including live betting, MMA, golf, horses, esports, entertainment, and all kinds of crazy prop bets and futures. Nobody in the industry gives bigger bonuses than BetUS. So go to BetUS.com now and fill out your information. It only takes a minute. When you get to the How Did You Hear About Us box, Type in Boston Sports Journal, and you can get up to 150% in bonuses on your first deposit. Nobody beats that. I bet a BetUS, and so should you. So join BetUS today, and don't forget, type in Boston Sports Journal to get up to 150% bonus on your first deposit. That's BetUS.com. So Pierre Lebrun just tweeted recently uh, in the past few minutes, uh, the agent for Brennan Gallagher says contract talks have broken off with the Habs Gallagher still has another year on his deal, uh, so time for this time for this to iron itself out. But talks have obviously not great, gone great so far. Thought I might mention that. Um, I don't know how he goes to the Bruins. I don't know how that would work. But uh, imagine Marshawn and Gallagher on the same team. Jesus, he's great. He's a great player, man. That dude. If you were talking about five and five offense and getting shots on goal, that dude is. That's for as much as you know they may not have legitimate, you know, stop power. That top line that Montreal has is a freaking buzzsaw. You know, yeah, I mean, they, it's funny. It, uh, they lead – they always are at the top in Corsi 4 percentage, I feel like. It's uh, like a typical Claude, Claude team. I'm just like – That is a very Claude team. Um, <laughs> Shoot the puck at the net. Yeah, exactly. But now it's something worth keeping an eye on for. He's, he's a great player. It's funny. Montreal, has, in my lifetime, has never had a num- legit number one center. That's part of the main reason why they don't have any real playoff success. Um, but it feels like they're getting that now. Philip Deneau – uh, Nick Suzuki. Yeah. Um, I'm definitely blanking on somebody else. Definitely. There's, so there's a, couple, a third. A there's a third. Players. And yeah. I, I, I'm forgetting who it is, but they're definitely, I mean, I think there's, they're growing something up there. Um, in Montreal, just got to pay a little bit less of the goalie. Uh, so speaking of the Atlantic division, Buffalo, New York, new home of Taylor Hall. Um, 
as 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 the dust has settled on this, because when it first happened, we all went, wait, what? But as the dust has settled on this, I think it's starting to be a little bit more clear why he chose Buffalo and why it actually might be not a bad fit. Uh, maybe not for success, because I don't see how this Buffalo team makes the playoffs. I mean, I, I think they're just going to be a you know a scoring machine on that well, top I, line. But I, I mean, Evan, he said he wanted to win, so we have to factor that into his decision making. So that's right. Imagine that I want to win, so I'm going to go to Buffalo, go New York. The, which, the, the by jewel, the way, the jewel of the Empire State. Yeah. By the way, like when they were good back in like the late 2000s, that was an electric place like oh yeah that, i mean I, I wasn't there but it seemed crazy like when they had like you know uh like Derek roy and chris drury and ryan miller was in his prime i mean that was yeah. like a fun team um mm-hmm. and they were electric to watch i don't get the sense that this is that same buffalo team uh, even close so no. um but it'll be taylor hall and jack Eichel on the top line you know those jack Eichel will put up 100 points taylor hall will put up like 90 you know 40 goals uh so it's making more sense. He wants a kind of a prove me deal, raise his value. I don't know how he's going to do that with the flat cap. Buffalo will find a, w- a way to pay him like $15 million a year. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I still don't know what to make of this. It's still so weird because the Atlantic division is getting a lot better. But at the same time, like, are the Sabres that much better? Is this, I mean, they score more, but I don't know if this wins them enough games to get into a playoff spot. No, it just means they're going to lose games seven to four instead of, you know, uh, seven, you know, seven to two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, listen, like the, the logic is there for Hall to sign there. If he didn't get what he wanted on the market, either from short-term deals with other teams, maybe, you know, if the Bruins offered him anything, maybe it was like a two, three year deal. And he just wanted a one year, one year contract. I saw somewhere it was a three year deal. I yeah, forget who reported three, it, but someone said three. Like, Three and eight point three, I think, is what the was kind of the whispers going around of what the Bruins offered. Again, who knows if that's what the case was, but you know, it makes sense if Hall wants to go there, you know, try to max out his value because he plays likely he's probably going to get forty goals, thirty five goals, and eighty plus points. But again, <laughs> I, I don't know how this cap is going to be working out next year. That you need the revenue to be back to what it was before all this shit happened. And you're not going to have that happen this year. We're not going to have full arenas going into next season, right? Like it's just the the reality of the situation. So I don't know who is going to be flush with cash next year to take on Taylor Hall. If he thinks he's going to get nine plus million, 10 million on the market next year on a long-term deal, it's not what's going to happen. Um, and I mean, you look next year too, it's going to be, for once again, considering that Vegas is somehow flush with cash and it hasn't really had to make too many painful decisions with their roster. So you got Seattle coming in next year, even with the expansion draft, they're going to get so many great players just because teams are going to be so hamstrung with this cap being flat another year. They're going to get people who are going to be selling off guys for nothing for next year. Yeah. So um, Taylor Hall going there for a one year deal. It, the logic again, the logic is there, but it doesn't really seem like it's that smart of a decision when he could go somewhere else and win and be, you know, a, a, a number two guy. Maybe he wants to be the number one guy on a line, but if you know, if he either spurned, he still isn't. Yeah, like it's. <laughs> it, it, like, like I don't understand. For, like I, I thought you wanted to win. Like you, you don't have. Like you'll make your money, mm-hmm. but. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but you said you wanted to win. Don't you want to be competitive? Like, don't you want to play in the postseason? 
I, I, and you go to the Atlantic Division where it's pretty much like chuck full at the top. Mm-hmm. Lightning, Bruins, Maple Leafs. You know that. So you're not getting past them. And I just, like, you can raise your value all you want, but in a flat cap era, man, you can't do it. You literally, like, can't do it. So, I, I mean, I, like, I hope it works out for them. I do, but I just don't see I, – I, I, you know what's funny? And, and a lot of people would say this on Twitter. The Bruins always tease you with these big free agent guys. Tavares, Taylor Hall. You know, you think they're going to have a chance. And then it gets to the point where, like, in your head you're like, well, you know, if Patrice Bergeron calls them and, like, David Ortiz calls them and, like, you know, Paul Pierce calls them, they have a chance. And, you know, remember, like, with the John Tavares stuff, like, they – did they meet with Tavares? They, I think they, they had a presentation with him, right? I think so, yeah. So I remember thinking, like, oh, they'll have Brady. You know, they'll have, you know, Ortiz. They'll, they'll convince him. Mm. And then it, it was, like, with the Kevin Durant stuff with the Celtics. They brought Brady and, like, Kelly Olenek to the Hampton. Hell, yeah. <laughs> and we're, we're like, Brady, hey, boss. Yeah, Brady and, like, Marcus Smart. And then he saw Kelly Olenek walk in. And he's like, fuck this. I'm going to, I'm going to California. But so you, the Bruins kind of tease us with these, and then it's like, nope. I wonder when the big they're going to get that big free agent because the biggest free agent they've <laughs> had Zeno Chara. But the biggest free agent they've had in Sweeney's time was Bacchus. I mean, like biggest in contract, yeah. in name recognition. Like, yeah. I mean, at the time, like we we think now, like, oh my god. But at the time, you know, granted, that contract didn't look good at the time. Like, I yeah. Looking back, it, I mean, we it, all was kind the of one, it was the one-year deal. People were like, "Oh yeah, this is a great move." And then <laughs> Bob McKenzie throws like a firebomb in the in the mention. It's like, no, it's 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 five years. Because that was when um, that was before my time covering the team. Uh, yeah. That it initially got reported as a one-year deal, right? Yeah. And then, it's like, oh, oh, five years. <laughs> that that would be what he would sign if he was, you know, that age going into this market year, and the Bruins probably would just let it go by anyway. So, it's yeah, like, it's incredible. It, that that move was incredible to me. Uh, and then the Bolesky one, it's just like, oh man. But I the Taylor Hall stuff, it baffles me. It does. It it still does. I I I I'm trying to wrap my head around it, and it just doesn't make sense. But he's playing with your boy Eichel, so. Congrats. I will be happy for one year until Taylor Hall then. Yeah, either signs a $13 million a year deal and Darlene leaves Buffalo or or he goes some other like bootleg team in another year or two, Taylor Hall, because apparently he doesn't want to be the go-to guy competing in the playoffs. He, he wants so. to go, you know what? He wants to go his next market, the Florida Panthers. I'm he sure, wants to hit yeah. every irrelevant market which, in the NHL. Which probably Florida will do because every year friggin' Florida signs like 14 different guys. Like it's every time you, you hear them in the news, they're, they're signing a bunch of guys. They're not team <laughs> where I don't know how they have all this money considering they've put all of it with, you know, guys like, um, you know, Bobrovsky and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, and it's just, if he like prioritized going to Buffalo and maxing all that contract over any other offers, it's a shame because I, mean, I think we talked about this last week, but like it would have checked off a lot of boxes for the Bruins. Like you go, go all in and getting a legitimate guy who's going to drive your five on five play, complement what you already have in a good signing with Smith. And by getting a guy like him, you make a few of those other forward assets expendable that if you had to trade the brusque or one of these other guys to get a top four D you replace him with Taylor Hall, then you 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 can get you can afford to get rid of a few of these guys. It brings you back a legitimate top four defenseman. Now you're you're you know you can 
now you're at the point now where if you want to sell me on your forward court and you still got the top line, Craig Smith works out with Coyle and he's a 20 plus goal scorer. Andre Kasha has a full year and he breaks through and he's a 20 goal scorer. You want to sell me on that? Fine. Like they're in a better spot than they were last year where it was like, we don't have anyone for crazy. Maybe Carson Kuhlman, you know, they're in a better spot than they were last year, but still doesn't inspire confidence for a team that should be going all in. And again, you've got this, you know, hole on your decor now. That's, I don't know how you're going to get it solved without giving up assets to, to bring in a guy. It's funny. I'm looking at the free agents of next off season and I'm going to predict how it's going to go. Ready? Yeah. Uh, Alex Ovechkin's a UFA. I don't Somehow the Bruins are going to be in on him. Somehow it's going to like, they're going to be like room. There'll be rumors. Or Some... he's going to say he's going to go to the KHL. Yes. Someone, but someone's going to report that the Bruins like offered him a contract and we're going to be like, Oh shit. They're about to get Ovechkin. They could get Ovechkin and they'll go right back to Washington for like an absorbent amount of money. But the real one's Cal Palmieri. Guarantee you that's the one we all sit here and go, that's the move. Mm-hmm. Go get Kyle Palmieri. Sign him to a somewhat long-term but not really that long-term deal. And that's going to be the obvious move, and he'll go to like Buffalo, Nashville or Buffalo or something like that yeah. where it's like, oh, my God. But it, it, it is, it's infuriating because it's like, oh, these are obvious moves. Yeah. Um, but maybe that's why we're not general managers. Maybe we should be general managers after – everything crashes and burns and they go, Oh, we should have listened to Connor Ryan and Evan Marinovsky. Um, so Connor, before I let you go, uh, what are you working on that the BSJ listeners can uh, look forward to? Yeah. We're, uh, we're dropping a story today, kind of breaking down what would happen if, uh, the Bruins do go with Erhovac and Jacob Zaboral next year, which, uh, a lot of risk involved in that, but we, we, you examine how that could be a, a a route that the Bruins do take this off season. And again, it seems like every day there's a new story dropping. I mean, you had to fully sign on, on Monday, you had Petrangelo, Schmidt getting traded all that on Monday. So who knows what each new day is going to hold. So we're going to have stuff every single day, breaking down this off season on how the Bruins are kind of navigating through this uh, pretty frantic time of the year. Um, so we'll have everything on bostonsportsjournal.com. So subscribe there and you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. It's funny you mention uh, you mention the news breaking all the time. I'm always excited. I always check my phone a ton during these podcasts because I'm always hoping that a big piece of news breaks while we're recording. So I'm like, oh, we're gonna break it down right here. And, and we're you gonna have, like you have air horn noises going on in the background. You can add yeah in the post. Yes, yes, that'd be perfect. But it never happens. There's never a big move. There's never anything big. Say the biggest thing was the Brennan Gallagher stuff. Who cares? Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, this has been Poke the Bear episode 13 for Evan Marinovsky. Connor Ryan, you listeners have yourself a great rest of your day. <laughs>